How are you guys doing today? All right, all right. My name's Justin. I work on staff here in junior high. And if I haven't met you yet, I apologize because uh, I want to meet you. If you're here for the first time, that's awesome. I'm so happy you showed up. Uh, there's no better place to be on a very hot Sunday than in an air-conditioned room. Who'd agree with that? Who feels... Like, who feels either, A, they feel like they're sweating out of, like, everywhere, which is gross, or they just feel like they're melting. Who feels like they're kind of, like, melting? Has anyone seen uh, the, any of the boys that, you know, put too much gel in their hair, of course, and with the heat, it kind of is like, like, it's all formed nicely, the hair. I don't know what it's like to have hair, but I assume they kind of form it like this nicely. And then it, it's, the heat is so much that their hair is kind of melting out of, like, the way they styled it. Like, it's melting. It's kind of, like, flattening out like a undercooked pancake of ooze. That's what, that's what I think it's like. I don't know. That's super hot outside. Hey, who's ever thought about being famous before? Who's ever thought, man, I want to I I be famous? You know, I sometimes think about if I was famous for anything, like if I got to choose to be famous in anything, what would I be famous for? And I'll give you mine. I'll let you think about yours. So think about yours. If I could be famous for anything, I know this might sound weird, I'd like to be a professional skateboarder. Like I'd like to be like the super awesome X game skateboarder with my own video game. And like I go to competitions and win and I just get to wear, you know, board shorts every day and like, you know, just hang out. Uh, that would to me just be the cool. And I'd want to be famous for that and autograph magazines and, you know, video games and, you know, that, play myself in a game, which is great. If you could be famous for anything, what would you pick? Movies. Be famous. You'd be a famous actor. All right. What is it, Mena? Yeah, surfing. A famous gamer. So, like, you're just, like, the best at playing games. What would you be famous for? What would you be? Soccer? Like, Team USA, World Cup, girl, just Wheaties box, the whole thing. Anything else? Gymnast. So, like, the Olympics are coming up this summer. They are coming up. This summer is the Olympics, and I, my wife and I, we love the Olympics. They have a, this is top secret, they have brand new, incredible, like, Hurley board shorts that are coming out for the Olympics. You don't know about it, but we know about it, because we went to Hurley and, and took a tour there, and we saw them, and they're awesome, so I'm with that. Uh, you know, but, you know, being a celebrity, that would be tough being famous, wouldn't it? I mean, you're famous, and it's like, you know, everyone's looking at you, and everyone is like, you know, if you do something wrong, everyone's like blogging about about it, like you gotta like you know wear the right stuff when you go to like award shows, and you gotta say the right thing. Uh, and you know if you don't say the right thing, everyone is like, "Do you believe what they did?" And everyone's kind of gossiping and talking about it. And and you know it's actually actually it's interesting. It's actually it's funny how similar celebrities are treated to us sometimes, to junior high students and adults. That you know when we go to school, it matters what we wear sometimes, or if we do something or say something wrong, everyone's talking about it. Or if, you know, we walk around like we got to do like and be perfect because if anyone, you know, if they start talking and, you know, so, and I got to look the part and I got to act the part. And it, it always seems like there's so much pressure. And it, you know, this is the reason why. It always feels like there's so much pressure because it seems like everyone else's like opinion or view of you, it influences the way you view yourself. So if you are, you know, you know, being talked about, you know, negatively behind your back or people are like, I can't believe she wore that. Like, oh, my gosh, like, look at that. Like, guys, you know, ankles, look how big his ankles are. Oh, my gosh, look at her wrists. Like, I bet she could never even wear a watch. Look at her wrists. And, like, you start to think, like, oh, my gosh, maybe there is something wrong with me because their opinion of you influences how you view yourself. You know, this happens at home, too. You know, uh, 
I don't know, you know, what your, you know, like, your home life is like, but I know my home life when I was growing up, and I know it now. And I remember that not all the time did my mom, like, have time for me. It wasn't that she didn't love me. It was that she just didn't have time for me all the time. Like, she, she had, you know, she was doing school for a time, and she worked full time, and, you know, she had, you know, other things to, like, take care of. And, it, it, and maybe your families are like that, too. Maybe, you know, you're, you know, living life, but, you know, mom's really busy, and dad's busy, and your siblings, you know, when you're not battling, the Everyone's doing different stuff. And it's not a statement of they don't love you, okay? But it's a feeling of they aren't really in tune with what's happening in my life. You know, I, I sat down for lunch recently with a youth pastor buddy of mine. Uh, he's a little older than I am. He has kids a little older than me. He actually has a junior high daughter. And he said, Justin, I want to give you the best piece of advice you're ever going to get. Now, here's my personal rule. When anyone ever says, I want to give you the best of anything you're ever going to get, I always pay attention on the off chance that they're right, and I just hit the lottery and get something really cool. And so he was sitting down having lunch, and he says, I want to give you the best piece of advice you're ever going to get. And this is what he said, never miss the little things. I said, oh. Yoda, that's so wise. Never miss the little things. But what does it mean not to miss the little things? And he told me about when he had lunch with his daughter the week before. And he had lunch with his daughter, and they all, you know, went out to some burger place. And the daughter, very smart girl, you know, is, you know, feeling like, you know, Dad, you're out of touch with, like, the world, like, my world. You're out of touch with the things I like and the things I do. You're out of touch. And she started quizzing her dad. And I don't like being quizzed. Like, I do, like when a student comes up to me, like, do you know my name? And like, it really, I tense up because I'm afraid I don't know their name. And I don't, can't know everybody's name. I mean, that's, like, really hard to do, and I just can't do that. That's why we have great leaders in junior high team. And so, you know, every kid can know somebody. But so it's hard for me. But it, so she started quizzing her dad. Hey, dad, do you know what my favorite color is? And, like, that's a, that, that's a scary question someone asked you. Because... If you don't know, you don't know. Like, you can't, like, maybe look at what they're wearing, and you're like, well, you're wearing blue. Is it blue? Like, you don't know. And so, favorite color, that's a tough one. Then she asked, right, this sixth-grade girl, very smart, asked, do you know who my favorite band is? And here's the thing about that. I mean, how would this guy know unless, you know, they were listening to music together? Well, the reality is they, the girl had huge posters in her room of this guy also named Justin, not me, different Justin, and big fan of this guy. And, you know, if he was in her room and, like, noticed the little things, like, he would have totally known, but he was missing the little things. And the third thing, so easy, this is an easy, this is the questions we ask people all the time. What do I want to be when I grow up, Dad? Do you know what I want to be when I grow up? And this was the really hard thing for this dad as a buddy of mine. He did not get a single one of those questions right. And those are, like, easy questions if you're paying attention to little things. And his daughter was really hurt, and he was really smart and took notice of it and gave me advice and he said he's gonna you know put that advice into action because it's real if we don't feel like the people around us like like family close friends are in tune with, with what's happening in our life it kind of feels like we're invisible it feels like we just just kind of don't really like matter and you know, if you have felt that way, you know, with, in friend groups you're in, if you felt that way in family groups sometimes, it's really easy to make the leap and say, well, if I'm invisible to these people, these people don't know what's going on in my life. How can God know what's going on in my life? How could I matter to him? Like, how is that possible? Because here's the thing, and this is what we always think about. Out of the billions and billions of people on the planet, it's going to be up here on the screen, you're going to see it. Out of the billions and billions of people on the planet, Am I really worth God's time and attention? That's something that we think about. Maybe you've thought about it. 
I know that as a you know, 30-year-old guy, I still think about that sometimes. I sit in my room or in my office, and I'm like, man, there are a lot of people on the planet. How can God know specific things about me? Like, I'm just some guy who lives in California. Like, like I'm not famous or, you know, important, right? I'm, I'm just some person like every other person. How can God really know me? And the problem is, that we believe that about God or think that about God because we've been influenced by everything else around us. If we don't feel the people who know us have time for us, we probably assume God doesn't have time for us. If we spend our time thinking about how the people at school, it feels like we're walking on eggshells because we don't want to fall you know, down the ladder steps of the popularity scale at school, which is a really you know, tough, painful, but also a very real thing that happens at school. We feel like, well, if, if I'm not noticed there, then how can God notice me? You know, am I worth God's time and attention? Am I worth while? Do I have value? Now, here's the thing. Uh, when I was in sixth grade, uh, a lot of people don't know this, I liked art a lot. Like, I was a big art fan. I got into art. My mom wasn't into art and painting. Like, I didn't really have any relatives who were. But I thought art and painting was awesome, and I wanted to do more of it. So I signed up for this club at my school to do this art class, this painting class. And I was painting this thing that I thought looked awesome. Now, and here's the thing. There's, there's kind of two sides to this story. There's the stuff that you have to do, like you have to do homework, you have to clean your room, and like you kind of do it, and maybe you're not excited about it, but you do it because you got to do it. And then there's the stuff that you want to do, and that stuff gets like your, you know, your passion, your excitement, that stuff gets like all your creativity because you're spending your time doing something you want to do, not something you have to do. And you're usually more excited about things you want to do than you are excited about the things that you have to do. So this painting thing that I was doing was something that I wanted to do. So I put all my creativity, a lot of my excitement, I put a lot of time into this painting. And like if you think of something that you've put a lot of time into, maybe you're on a sports team and you want to do this team and you put a lot of time into practice to get better at that sport, whatever it is, because you want to do it. Maybe you do an instrument and you don't have to do it, you want to do it. So you put a lot of time in your instrument and learning that, or you go to OSHA and you're an actor, or you sing, or you do whatever, and you put a lot of time into that because that's what you want to do. So I put a lot of time into this painting that I wanted to do, and I took it to my teacher, and I was really excited. We get excited about the things we want to do. Like, we're excited, and we're looking for affirmation, and we're looking for someone to say, that is great because to us, that says that we're valuable, the things we're doing aren't a waste of time. And I brought it to my teacher, and this is what she said to me. She said, Justin, anyone could do what you just did. Anyone could do this painting. There is nothing special about this. Anyone could do it. And I was heartbroken. I was heartbroken because I put so much time into this and so much energy. Like, it wasn't just a painting. Like, this was a part of me. When she was rejecting this painting, she was rejecting me, saying that I'm not good enough, that, that the things I do aren't special, that I don't matter. And I remember that as the moment that started me down a road called comparison. Now, here's the thing about comparison. It happens to everybody. We've all been there. We've all you know, felt it, we've all done it, but here's the truth. When it really becomes a problem, and you're going to see it's right here up on the screen, when it really becomes a problem is when we try to guess what other people think about us and let that determine what we think about ourselves. See, comparison happens all the time. Well, that person you know, is smarter, and that, that person is, you know, better at this, and that. here's the thing that's true, okay? You may find someone to compare yourself to that is better than you, 
There are people who are worse than you comparing themselves to you, and you don't even know about it. You think, like, everyone's looking at you like, oh, you're, I'm a bum, and I can't figure things out, and look at that person. They got it all figured out. There's a whole group of people looking at you saying, man, that's the person who has it figured out. Like, comparison will happen at every single level. It will always happen, and maybe it's something that's happened to you. You found yourself in a cycle where you compare yourself to others, not because you think it's fun or it's enjoyable, because you think and you try to guess what other people think about you, and you let that determine what you think about yourselves, and you use comparison as a tool to do it. Now, here's the thing that I love about today. If you pay attention today, and if you learn something, so open your ears and open your eyes and, you know, wake up. If you do that today, three things will happen, hopefully. Hopefully, one, you will look at yourself differently, which I hope for each and every one of you, you look at yourselves differently. It's a good thing. You will look at God and think about God differently. And more importantly, you will think about the way God thinks about you differently. And that is a very good thing. And I want you guys to think about yourself differently, think about God differently, and think about the way God looks at you differently. And to totally understand this, we have to start at the very beginning of what God had to say. So if you have your Bibles open or your apps, open them up to Genesis chapter 1. Now, if you don't have a Bible, you need to get a Bible. There's Bibles on all the tables, so there's no excuse not to have a Bible because you need one. If you have your phone, pull it out because I have my phone out, and uh, you just need it. Because at the very beginning of Genesis 1, we're going to put it up here on the screen, God was talking about how he did the stuff that he did. And he was very clear about it, okay? Genesis chapter 1, it's the very first book of the Bible. It's the very first chapter of that very first book. And it's verse 27. And if you need help, your part, you know, friends sitting around, you can help you or, you know, whatever. You're, you're, I get help all the time. Some of these books of the Bible are hard to find. This is what God says. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Why is that a big deal? Well, I'll tell you why it's a big deal. God wants to make very clear that you know who did what. That you're not a mistake. You're not an accident. You're not something that came from something else by pure happenstance. Like you didn't just, you know, somewhere along the line, like we lucked out and started, you know, talking differently and walking differently. And then, you know, ipso facto, one day you're all walking around in t-shirts and skinny jeans. It's not what happened. God said, this is what happened. I created you. Man, woman, everything, I created it. And he wants to lay that as a foundation. That's really important. Everything is built off this idea that God is the one that created us on purpose with purpose, because he loves us. And this is what it says in verse 31. It's just a couple of verses down from probably where you are right now. Um, God saw that all he had made, and it was very good. It's very important because we're going to talk about that. And there was evening and there was night on the sixth day, the night, the day thing. We're not talking about that right now, but it was on the sixth day. And that's why very good is important. Because this is what God did. He created people on the sixth day. The five days before that, he's creating animals and big lakes of water. He's creating birds flying around, pooping on cars in the youth building. He's creating trees that you climb. He's creating the fish that you eat. He's creating all this stuff. And to God, it was all good. And he says that in the Bible. If you read chapter 1, which you should, God created all this stuff and said, hey, it's good. The stuff I created, it's good. And then on the sixth day, when he created people, he said, it's very good. Now, you might be thinking, well, Justin, it's just an extra word. That's not a big deal. Like, Justin, that, that's like, that's a simple thing. Like, you know, they probably just threw the word in there, and other people wrote the Bible. And, and why, why are you making such a big deal about this? Is why I make a big deal about it. Because God looked at everything and said it was good because it's stuff that he created out of his creativity and his excitement. When he created us, he created us uniquely. He created us in his image. 
Everything else he created, he had this crazy idea like, oh, let's put a huge nose on him and a big tail and let's make it gigantic. Like, let's give him, you know, let's give him a big, you know, mane of hair and, you know, let's, you know, make the tree look like this and, you know, all the different palm trees. Like, he was creative. But when he made us, he looked at himself and made us in his image. He made us differently than he made everything else. And he said it was very good. Us holding his image changes everything about who we are. We are not just a thing. We are a big deal to God. We hold his image. We have value to God because we hold his image. And this is what else. We share something with God, a very unique thing. We share a lot of the DNA of God inside of us. We have that. You know, you think of the DNA of something, like it looks similar to, you know, you look, if you looked at pictures of my baby, my baby is by far the cutest baby of all time. And he's going to grow up to be the cutest junior high or high school or adult. He's going to be an old, cute man one day. All right. He's very cute, but he totally looks kind of like me and kind of like my wife because we share similar DNA. Like the parts of us went into making him and he kind of looks like us. Here's the thing. Hey, you kind of look like God, but you just don't know it. Like, you kind of look like them. And if you're honest with yourself, you can feel that little part of you that's like, I kind of feel different. Like, like I, I feel like I, I look at people differently. I feel like I look at, at church differently. Or I feel like I look at myself differently. And I feel like I look at it, you know, when something bad's happening, I look with a little bit of a heart of compassion maybe. And it's probably because you share the DNA of God. That you have a part of you that is from God. There's no animal, tree, lake, or bird that can say that because those things were made and they were good. You are made very good. You have value. You have God's image. See, there's a group of people who are questioning Jesus. This is in Matthew. So we're going to be flipping now to the New Testament. It's the first book of the New Testament. We're just in the first book of the Old Testament. First book of the New Testament. And people are questioning Jesus. Now, I want to give you a little backstory here, okay? And, and it's a, you know, these guys, they come to Jesus and they ask him questions to try and catch them in a lie. Has anyone ever been asked a question before trying to catch you in a lie? Like, the, you know, the person maybe knows the answer and they're coming to you to see if the stories match up. And they try, you know, try and catch you in a lie. And that's what they're doing with Jesus. They're asking Jesus all these questions. They ask him one specific question. They say, Jesus, you know, we got this coin. He had this coin there. You know, Jesus, you know, who, who should we pay our taxes to? To Caesar or to to God. And Jesus, you know, told him, do you have a, do you have a coin? Why don't you pull it out? He pulls it out. Whose face is on that coin? They answered, Jesus asked that. They answered, well, it's you know, Caesar's. Okay. Give to Caesar's what is Caesar's and give to God's what is God's. And that might seem like an insignificant thing, but it's actually extremely significant because Jesus is saying, you know, that coin that bears the image of Caesar, that has value for Caesar, give that stuff to Caesar. You, the people, you bear the image of God. You have value to God. The same way Caesar looks at a big you know, bunch of coins and says, yeah, my face is on it. This has value to me because it looks like me. God looks at you and says, you have value to me because you look like me. We share stuff together. And Jesus goes on and replies to this question of what are the important things to follow? This is what he says. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, which seems difficult. Seems difficult. I'm not going to lie and say it sounds easy because it doesn't sound easy. If you said it sounded easy, you know I was lying. Difficult. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. That one's really hard. 
you know, loving your neighbor part maybe isn't that hard, like if you're honest. Like you share the DNA of God. So when you see a homeless person on the side of the street, your heart breaks for that. Like you may not stop or be able to do anything about it at the time, but there's this moment inside of you that you're like, ooh, that just doesn't feel right. Like I feel for that person because you have compassion. If someone is gossiping about someone at school or bullying at someone at school, it doesn't matter who you are. Like, you look at that and you're like, that doesn't feel right. Like, like that's not okay because you guys bear the image of God. You have the DNA of God. You have value. And you look at your neighbor differently. Here's the problem, though. The as yourself is maybe one of the hardest things in the Bible. It's hard for you guys to love yourselves. It is. It's hard for you guys to look in the mirror and look at what's looking back at you and say, I love what I see. And what I see has value. It's actually really, really hard to get the idea that God loves us and loves everything about us. Like, it's hard for us to accept that fact. You know, it's a lot easier to do the opposite, actually. It's a lot easier for us to, you know, judge ourselves harshly. It's a lot easier for us to compare ourselves to other people. Like, it's super easy to compare ourselves to other people. Like, I'm not good enough, and they are good enough, and I wish I was more like them. It's really easy to hate ourselves. Like, it's super easy to hate yourself. You look in the mirror, and what's looking back at you is all the mistakes you've made, things people have said about you. Like, it's really easy to look in the mirror and say, I don't like what's looking back at me, and I hate myself for it. It's so easy to say that. It's so hard to love ourselves. And you might think, Justin, what are you talking about, loving yourself? Like, I thought we were supposed to be, like, humble people that, like, don't love ourselves. That sounds really arrogant to me, and, you know, it sounds really mean. But, you know, the truth is this. Jesus wants us to love ourselves. And out of that love that we have for ourselves, we're able to love others the way we love ourselves. That that love we have for ourselves isn't to selfishly be held and be held over other people and, like, oh, man, I'm so much better than you, and I love myself, and I'm awesome. No, no. Love your neighbor the way you love yourself. But if we're terrible at loving ourselves, like, what are we going to do? You know, here's the truth. Loving ourselves means that we believe we matter. Like, do you believe that you matter? And I know you may hear from other people like, oh, yeah, you matter. And it's like a kind of a brush over statement. But if you really think about it, do you personally believe that you matter and have value in this world? to God and to others. If you do not believe that you matter, then you are probably great at comparing yourself and judging yourself and hating yourself and hurting yourself. You're probably great at those things. Because if you don't think that you matter, like, then you just don't feel like you matter. You don't feel like you have value. And if you don't feel like you matter to God, you probably don't feel like you matter to other people. If you don't feel like you matter, then you're kind of like, well, what's the point? You know, and here's a question for you, and I think you'll all agree with this. Isn't it hard to believe, and this is true, isn't it hard to believe, uh, hard to love ourselves if we don't feel like God loves us? Isn't it true that it's hard to love ourselves if we don't feel like God loves us? I mean, I've totally been there. It's been really hard for me sometimes in my life to care about myself if I didn't feel like God cared about me. I mean, if anyone's going to care about anybody, it's got to be God who cares about us. I mean, before we ask our friends to care about us or our family to care about us, we assume that God, the creator of the universe, who forgives everybody for everything, loves and cares about us. But if we don't feel like he does, and we don't feel like we matter, like, what do we do? 
Like, what's the point? What's, how do we fix this? You know, I've totally been there. I've spent time comparing myself to other people. I've spent time trying to figure out, do I matter? Do I have value? I spend time looking in the mirror and looking what's looking back at me. And what's looking back at me usually is all the mistakes I've made and all the labels that people have put on me, mean things people have said about me, how everyone is busy, how no one knows like these facts about me. Even that teacher, even what the teacher said. You know, I went back to my mom and I you know, told my youth pastor and I told uh, my youth leader, Earl, who's awesome, old man Earl, and I told them what my teacher said. And you know what? They looked at me and they said, you know, you, Justin, you have value. You can't believe what they're saying. But here's the thing. You have to really believe you have value. Like, it's one thing to hear you have value. It's a different thing to believe you have value. You know, here's a couple of verses that they gave me when I was in junior high that I still read sometimes. They're going to be up here on the screen to, to get a little bit of that encouragement from God that I do have value, that I do matter. Here are the verses. I encourage you guys to write these down and read them this week. I mean, this is like easy stuff. You write in a post-it note and you put it on your window like, or your you know, mirror in your room. You write it down and you put it in the front cover of a textbook. You type it out on your phone and you have it as like the screensaver. Like, this is easy stuff. But they're simple verses that remind you of something and that it's you have value, that you matter, and that you are loved by God. But, you know, verses, I mean, they're great, but they do only go so far. I mean, we know that. Like, we could read it in a book, but the truth is, if we could read it in a book all we want, but it's not a matter of reading it. It's not enough to read it. You must make a decision to accept it. You have to look at verses like that or hear people who look at you and say, you do have value. You do matter. God loves you just the way you are. You have to hear that and believe it and accept it. Because you can hear it all day long. If you're not willing to accept it and buy into it and let that influence how you view yourself, then, then you're really just kind of like w wasting time and, and doing nothing and, and letting it get worse. Like, every day that you don't accept the truth that God loves you and cares about you exactly the way you are is one more day you're going to find someone new to compare yourself to and how you don't measure up. It's one more day that someone's going to speak into you things that aren't true and all the things that are true you forget because the things that are true, you're not willing to accept it yet. Here's a question I want you guys to think about. And you guys can think about this week. I'm going to throw it on Instagram this week, so you should follow us on Instagram. How... Can the way God sees you change the way you see yourself? Think about that. And it's not an easy answer. Like, this is a real question. How can the way God sees you change the way you see yourself? For everyone, it's going to be different. But it's something you should think about because this is like a life-changing kind of question. And here's the bottom line for today before we go into breakout groups. There's going to be more time for breakout groups. It's going to be awesome. God loves you exactly as you are. If you don't walk out of here listening to anything I said the entire time because you're, I don't know what you're doing, you're just not listening, you're just kind of, you know, like, oh, my thumbs are weird, like, whatever. Like, oh, are my ankles, are my wrists really big? I don't know. If you don't listen to anything, listen to this. God loves you exactly the way you are. There's nothing you can do for him to love you more. There's nothing you can do for him to love you less. He loves you exactly the way you are because he made you exactly the way you are. God loves you. Let's go to breakout groups where we're going to talk about it. But we're going to do something different today. The boys are the ones heading outside.